Welcome to another episode of Ask Danny. Well, I tell you, over the years, I have been asked thousands of home improvement questions. So each week here on Ask Danny, I'll bring in one of my expert friends and we'll tackle some of your questions, share a few tips, and also tell you a few entertaining stories to help you out with your project. So remember, next time you have a question, Ask Danny. And this week, we're talking about painting and different tips on making your painting job go a little easier. And we have someone that knows a lot about painting, very passionate about the whole world of painting. Uh, Tracy Amadio is the Porch Daydreamer, and she's been featured in Better Homes and Gardens as a style maker, as well as HGTV Magazine, Country Living, Apartment Therapy, and a whole lot more. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Been looking forward to talking with you. Oh, hey, Danny. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, am very happy to talk about paint and share my knowledge and experience with your listeners. Well, I tell you what, you know, we get, of course, so many questions about painting. And, you know, when people ask you questions about painting, this probably has happened to you a time or two, is you, it makes you stop and go, okay, wait a minute, there is a basic misunderstanding about certain parts of painting. And one question we get is, Hey, why is some paint so much more expensive than another brand? Is it just the branding? Is it the way it's manufactured? Is it because they add a little extra water to it? What is the real difference there between that gallon of paint that costs 25 and the gallon of paint that costs 45 Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like when I'm at a cocktail party and people know that I'm a paint expert, I get asked this question a lot, like, should I pay more money for paint? And my answer is always yes. But to a point, so, you know, there's a, when you look into a can of paint, it doesn't look very interesting. And I think most homeowners are focused on the color that they pick and don't realize all of the things that are actually mixed in with that colorant, which is there are pigments and uh, resins and additives and carriers and carriers are things like water and oil. And there are some key ingredients that our that you know they're going to make it more expensive which it's a ratio of solids to liquids and so the better pigment and the better resin is going to make that cost of the paint actually go up so the cost is driven by those two things but those two things give you better hide and better coverage so i like to say like a middle price point is really the best place to go um but quality perception is, is really dictated by the person actually using the paint. So like a pro may want a thinner paint because they're going to spray it. But a homeowner typically is going to want a thicker paint because they're going to be covering a wall and another color or painting a piece of furniture. So spending a little extra on that better paint is going to give them really easier application, fewer brush strokes, and then it's going to dry to a better, uh, more durable finish. Now, you mentioned about selecting colors. Boy, that can be one of the most agonizing things that homeowners go through. You know, you have in your mind, okay, I know what I want. I know exactly what I want. I'm going right in there, and I'm going to pick it. Then you get there in front of those thousands of colors, and, boy, your eyes roll back in your head. What do you recommend to people, a novice homeowner, and some guidance in how to choose the right color that will be satisfactory in whatever they're working with? Actually, I, I have a free guide on porchdaydreamer.com uh, that people can download. It's six easy steps to picking a paint color, which it goes into great detail. But honestly, when picking a paint color, the most important thing is starting with one thing. 
And the one thing is what you develop your color palette around. And so it could be a piece of fabric. It could be a rug. It could be a plate. It really can be anything that helps you hone into the type of color that you want. So that, that's the first piece of advice that I give. The other is look at the light in your room. So um, there's different values of paint and all that means is the lightness or the darkness of the paint. And so if you have a dark room, you wanna put in a lighter paint. If you have a light room, you can go with a darker paint, but really kind of a mid, um, a mid value paint is, is gonna be best for most people. And my really, my biggest tip is please always, they're really inexpensive. You can get them um, online is buy eight by 10 foam pour boards and buy those paint samples and test them out in multiple locations in the room just to see you know, how they look at different times of the day on a sunny day, on a cloudy day before you ever pick that paint color. And you know what? Uh, that, uh, that's a great idea to do. And also, I recommend um, taking a few days on that, maybe over the weekend, because yeah. if you just rush in, the painter's coming tomorrow morning, I got to get this paint real quick. And you try to make that decision. Sometimes it doesn't work out that well. And, and boy, how disheartening is it when you have a coat of paint go on a wall, you have a vision of what it looks like, you go in, it's a little greener, a little more yellow than you're actually thinking. Uh, well, I've seen that happen quite a bit. So taking your time on that. But then you have to choose the sheen. And um, this is something mm -hmm. that I thought everybody knew, all the different sheens. And um, I was uh, in New York doing the early show one time, and a very well-known celebrity um, uh, called me off to the side said, hey, I got a little question for you. And it was really about the sheen of paint that her painter, she was renovating a place there in, in New York, and her painter had asked her about that. She completely blacked out, um, you know, blanked out, didn't, <laughs> did, had no idea what the gentleman was talking about. Take us through a little bit of the different sheens with eggshell and flat and semi-gloss and high gloss and so forth, where you should use the certain type of finishes and why? Oh my gosh, that is so funny. I, I've actually worked at the paint desk and I call it deer in the headlights. When people walk up, they're all excited. They got their color. And then you say, what sheen would you like that in? And they, they do. It's like a blank stare <laughs> that happens. Like what? That's, that's something I have to think about. I, I, but I picked my paint color and that was the hardest part of this, right? right yeah. <laughs> no, actually sheen is, is really, really, really important. And you know, there's, there's basic sheens. So just to keep it simple, flat, eggshell, satin, and a high gloss. And so I kind of look around the room or the project to determine sheen. And I feel like sheen is really the most important thing that you need to decide. So for instance, if you are painting a ceiling, a ceiling has, you know, where those joints are um, match matching up, that you want a low reflective paint, so like a flat flat paint to hide any imperfections in the ceilings, and so that's typically why ceiling paints are flat. But then as you move down and you get to a wall, well, people have kids, they have dogs, they're cooking, <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of things. Life happens in a room, and so you want a higher sheen paint like an eggshell, and the reason you go up from a flat if you were to try to scrub a flat paint, it actually burnishes it and makes it get a little bit shiny. It knocks down all of, um, you know, kind of the rough parts of a flat paint. 
So flat paint's great for touch-up and why they use it in apartments a lot of the time, but not so good for a, a high traffic area or a homeowner where you need that scrubability and durability. And then when you move up in sheen, then you get more hardness as that, that paint dries. And so I typically recommend when you're getting into trim and molding that you step up at a minimum to a satin or a semi-gloss. And that's going to give you even more wipeability, durability, and last even longer. And also be resistant to like jarring and scuff. And I typically don't recommend a high gloss paint because the more reflective a paint is, the more flaws it's going to show. And it's also really, really hard to apply. So I would leave that, you know, to someone who really knows how to paint or a professional. Now, I know one of your titles is a certified architectural coding technologist. With that in mind, (laughs) uh, let me throw a technical question at you there, one that we really get quite a bit, especially during the changing of the seasons and so forth. Um, A homeowner's um, looking at doing some painting on the outside of the house, and what about that temperature variance? Certainly, you want the temperature to be modest, uh, moderate. You don't want it to be too cold, too hot. But what do you say as a general rule is that temperature range that you should look for, not only when you're painting, but for the hours after that to have a good, durable paint job? Well, when I think about exterior paint, typically most of the time exterior paint can't be applied under 55 to 50 degrees. And so you really do want to apply exterior paint during those moderate temperatures like 55 to 70, 75 low humidity. And the reason you want low humidity also is to um, improve the dry time. So the more, you know, paints are made out of a lot of water. So the more water that's in the air, the longer the paint is going to take to actually dry. Um, Now, as far as, now were you asking me about qualities of exterior paint that you need to look for too? Yes. uh Uh-huh. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so something that is really cool about exterior paint, because it has to deal with temperature changes, uh, obviously once it's dry and, you know, you want to wait and make sure you've got three sunny days to, to get that paint fully dry, if at all possible. But what's really neat about exterior paint is they fortify it with um, specific resins for extra durability and pigments, and it also can extend expand and contract to a degree that a regular interior paint would not. So it's pretty amazing that it can withstand extreme temperatures, you know, down into the negative, (laughs) under zero temperatures and all the way up, you know, above 100. So exterior paint is tested quite um, thoroughly out on panels in, you know, real world weather conditions before they ever put it on the market. So it's it's pretty cool stuff. And it can span gaps of, you know, I've had paints that I've sold that can span a quarter inch gap. And that's how flexible they really are. When you look at some of the high-quality exterior, uh, say, acrylic latex, the the elasticity and the ability to flex like that, boy, it is very, very important, just like you're talking about, because, uh, you know, oil paint was all we had for many, many years, but it just didn't expand and contract as much, and I think a lot of people experience cracking and, and things, mm-hmm. you know, that were failure like that. So that's where I think uh, the whole technology behind paint 
has really improved things. People, there's still the old timers that say, oh, oil paints better than latex, but uh, acrylic latex is getting pretty darn good. Oh, it's it's really good paint. I'm at the point now where I, when anybody's asking me, I, I literally steer clear of oil paint. A lot of the reason I, I do is because they're not as user-friendly. The They're not soap and water cleanup. But the other thing that people aren't aware of sometimes is if you are using an oil paint and it's white, like you want a white, it will yellow over time due to that oil in the paint. So if you want a crisp, clear, bright white, an acrylic latex paint is, is always going to be your best. But the cool thing is now there are oil-enriched enamels that are water-based, so they're they're like a latex paint that are soap and water cleanup, and they have a, a suspended molecule of oil in it. And so as that paint dries and flows and levels, that little um, oil molecule will pop open, and so it'll act like an oil paint and be hard and durable, but give you all the benefits of flexibility like uh, a typical latex paint would. Well, that brings up another point in in choosing the right paint for what you're painting. You know, over the last few years, a lot of paint's been formulated for plastic, which has been very popular because there's so much, so much we have that's plastic type of materials, especially outside with patio furniture, plant containers, and so forth. Uh, that seems to to perform very, very well. Have you had pretty good experiences with the paint that's formulated to paint plastic? Ah, so interesting. One of my most popular blog posts, uh, especially uh, during the spring and summer seasons, is how to paint your outdoor resin wicker furniture, so plastic furniture. And I literally take a dual approach with that. Um, Call me old-fashioned, but I like to apply a bonding primer, which a lot of people aren't as familiar with a bonding primer. You can buy it in a spray paint and then just cover it with a regular um, spray paint over the top of that. But my little trick that I've used is I actually use camouflage paint because it is rated for outdoor uh, plastic coolers and different things, mm-hmm. and people paint their guns with it. So I've actually used that on outdoor furniture, and it's held up really well. well. That's a great tip. And, boy, you're talking about a simple weekend project and being able to change the look of that old faded furniture out there. That's a that's a, a great, great little project to take on. Hey, we're going to take a little quick break here, and we'll be right back with a story that you're really going to want to hear. Hey, if you have a question about your home or just need a little help with the project, head over to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Use the form there to send photos, share what you're working on, and ask us any question at all. We're back here talking about painting, and Tracy has a story that uh, I'm encouraging her to tell us maybe something that you're suggesting not to do. Is that the kind of the moral of the story? it is the moral of the story. Even though I'm a paint expert, sometimes I get online and I look around at what other people are recommending, They, you know, how they approach painting something. And uh, about a year ago, I decided to paint my stair risers. Everything was stained and heavily polyurethane. And um, so I, I came across someone else who was a blogger and they recommended liquid sanding paper. And I'm like, oh, well, or sandpaper. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. That could save me a step and save me some sanding. And it's liquid. That sounds easy. And so I I went ahead and you can imagine that was, that took me a long time applying the liquid sandpaper. And 
I applied uh, the paint on top of that, and I had everything taped because I was just doing the risers and not the treads. And um, and I know I know to do this. So as the paint was, you know, not fully dry, somewhat damp, I I pulled my tape at a 90 degree angle. And when I tell you, I had a full film pull off oh. the stair riser. Huh. <laughs> when I say. The entire job was ruined, um, and so uh, I, I learned a really tough lesson, which is use the process that I typically follow, which is to use a deglosser, then use a bonding primer, and then apply the paint. And I can tell you that uh, my paint has been fully adhered and um, vacuum cleaner proof as well. So uh, that that created a big problem for me, for sure. Boy, that hurts. And uh, uh, you, of course, when you talk about stair trade, you, you've got to have something very durable there. And we, you know, we talk about bonding primer a lot with, um, you know, kitchen cabinets or problem areas with walls or ceilings or exteriors. So that's definitely a good tip. Now, last little bit of advice to someone that's uh, about to do a paint job, whether they've had any experience or none at all. What's a little little overall advice you would give our listeners? Well, let's see. I have two tips. One is never ignore proper surface preparation, and that is everything from sanding any areas that are failing because if you apply paint over a failing area, it's just going to come off, and you want to get it nice and clean. The other is if you are going over stain please always use a stain blocking bonding primer because it will save you a lot of trouble. There's this thing called um, tannin bleed or stain bleed, and uh, you don't want that to happen and ruin your paint job. And last but not least, definitely pay attention to recoat time. And a lot of people think dry time and recoat time or dry to the touch is the same. And typically recoat time, so that's when you apply your next layer of paint, is longer than the actual dry time. And if you don't wait the proper amount of time, depending on the manufacturer's recommended specifications, it's called blocking where the paint will stick to itself and never fully dry. And that's how you end up with really tacky, sticky paint. And it's almost impossible to fix. Oh, boy. I've, I've seen that happen more than one time. I've gotten a lot of calls from our um, listeners that uh, talk about that. So great advice from there. Now, Tracy, I, I've got about 20 other questions here, but we're going to have to do that in another another podcast. And <laughs> I really appreciate you spending time with us. How can people engage with your website, social media? Tell us about it. I would say the best place to find me, and I have a ton of paint tutorials, and also I have paint color downloads, so it kind of helps you get over that hump is portdaydreamer.com. And if you're on social media, I'm also Porch Daydreamer on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, boy, that's great. Well, we definitely, you'll definitely be getting some traffic there because uh, we always create a lot of interest when we talk about painting because it is the number one home improvement project around. And, and I appreciate your time. I appreciate your passion. And we'll definitely have you back on again. Thank you, Danny. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ask Danny. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you'll take a moment to leave a review and follow this podcast. I also invite you to visit todayshomeowner.com slash ask where you can send me any photos, ask any question, and let me know what topic you would like to hear more about. Hey, I look forward to sharing more with you next week. So remember, next time you have a question, ask Danny.